0: Word this morning to Psalm 143. Psalm 143. We are going to be considering Lord's Day 49 this morning, which speaks about God's will and our will and the petition, Thy will be done. And we'll be looking particularly at verse 10 of this psalm. Psalm 143, we begin reading in verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies, I flee unto thee to hide, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good, lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble, and of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant." As far we read God's word, as I mentioned, we're going to be calling attention to verse 10 that speaks of God's will, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good, lead me into the land of uprightness. <clears throat> The petition, Thy will be done, is perhaps one of the most humbling petitions that we make in connection with our prayers. We're not merely stating a fact, after all, in the words of this petition. We are not simply saying, God's will is done, but truly we're asking God for something, and that is, may Thy will be done. Grant, Lord, that I, that we, may do thy will. This is why I say that this is really one of the most humbling petitions of the Lord's prayer. You see, God's will always touches our wills, our wants, our desires. And by this petition we ask God... That we might well understand that our wants and our desires are really not of the essence. Our wants and desires are not that which is important. God's will is everything. We ask that not our will be done, but that God will now perform his will and his good pleasure. To say such takes humility. humility, think of that once. When we are honest with ourselves, we are pretty quick to want to fulfill our own will, our own wants, our own desires. We direct our lives actually on the basis of our own desires. And it's hard for anyone to say to anyone else, well, I'm going to subject my will entirely to your will. We're more apt to say, I really do not care about what you want or what you will. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's exactly the attitude of the unbelieving world around us that presses itself on you and me. That selfish, self-centered attitude is deeply embedded in our society and in the thinking of the ungodly. I will do what is right in my own eyes. I will never follow the will of another. If I do not fulfill my own will, then I really cannot be happy in this life. I'll be depressed. After all, I'm called upon to follow my own heart. When I follow my own heart, that's what's going to make me happy in this life. My own heart won't lead me astray, will it? That's the way the world, of course, reasons. In light of that, we humbly pray, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. My will must always be subject to God's will for me, and I will be happy and I will be content, and I will find peace in my life only as I follow the will of my Heavenly Father. Such humility on the part of a believer comes only by the work of God's grace in our hearts. And that's why we ask in this particular petition that we might be able to abide by God's will. It's striking once again that The request that Jesus teaches us to make here is a highly spiritual request. Jesus isn't teaching us, for the most part, in this Lord's Prayer, to pray for our earthly needs. He does not choose for us to direct all of our thoughts and our hearts on the earthly and on the mundane. They have their place. Give us this day our daily bread, very next petition. But these are really not the things that Jesus teaches us to be foremost in our hearts and in our minds when we ask of God our needs. Our prayers must be highly spiritual in character. Christ emphasizes with each petition our need to seek the things of the kingdom of God, the things that are above and not the things that are here below. That's what gives prayer Depth. Oftentimes we can hear people praying for all kinds of earthly things, and such prayers become rather shallow, really, and and superficial. When we ask God for the things of His kingdom, then there's depth or pith to our prayers. So again, we take note of Jesus' instruction and center our prayers around the spiritual. Will that touch not only my own life, but the life of others around me? Of course it will. Catechism explains this particular petition in that way too. Grant that we and all men may renounce our will and submit to thy will. And that all men, of course, refers to our prayers for others as well as ourselves. May our friends, may our family, May the rulers of this world, may our neighbors, all submit themselves to that sovereign will of God. So we take now this particular petition, and we make it our theme this morning. Thy will be done. In the first place, we want to consider God's perfect will. Then secondly, submitting to his will, or a request to submit to that will. And then finally, our contented will. To pray that the will of God be done implies, of course, that we know what God's will is. The term will refers to a person's wants, desires. When we say that a person likes to perform his own will, then we are saying, well, that person likes to do what pleases that person, what he wants to do or wishes to do. Well, in a certain sense, the same is true of God. God has a will. psalmist tells us in Psalm 115, verse 3, that God is in the heavens and He does whatsoever He wills, whatsoever He desires, whatsoever pleases Him. So God has certain desires, God has certain uh, wants, and those desires and those wants of God, He sovereignly determines will be fulfilled either by Himself or by others. And it's in that connection too that we are able to distinguish now that will of God. The will of God includes both what he himself wills to perform, and it includes that which God wills other people or wills people to perform. When Moses addressed the children of Israel before entering into the land in Deuteronomy 29, then we find that in verse 29 of that chapter, he distinguishes that will of God. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. And with those words here, Moses distinguishes between a secret will of God and also a revealed will. Secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed Belong unto us. So God's will has actually two aspects to it: that will of God's decree, which is a secret will of God, and the will of God's commandments, the will that He, of course, reveals to you and to me. That distinction in God's will is known as the will of His decree and the or the hidden will of God, and then the will of God's desire for us, that is, to keep His commandments. Now, that being said, of course, many within the church world, even within Reformed and Presbyterian circles, would like to add, well, a third distinction, I would say, to that will of God. They call it the will of God's desire in distinction from the will of His decree. Now, they do not mean, of course, by that will of God's desire, the will of God's commandments for us, but when they speak of this, then they speak of the fact that God in His grace desires, wills, to save everybody in this world, That's how God reveals his grace in common to everybody in this world. Not only to the elect, but to the reprobate too. God shows this common grace by offering to everyone this salvation in Jesus Christ. And he offers that salvation to everyone, so it is claimed, through the preaching. That's the calling of the preacher after all. He must stand before the congregation or before the world and He must proclaim to them God desires, God wills to save you. God's desire is to show to you that salvation and He wants you to come to Him to be saved. There's the will of God's desire. And God's will of that desire, it is claimed, is to be proclaimed to the reprobate man as well as to that elect man in order to give, well, in order to give that reprobate man at least a chance for salvation. So that means that God expresses to the reprobate person that he truly wants or desires or wills that person's salvation as well as the elect's salvation. And that's true, even though God, it is said, at least in reform circles, has decreed from eternity the damnation or the destruction of that reprobate man. And when it is pointed out that if that's true, that God's will of des- then God's will of His desire contradicts the will of God's decree. God, on the one hand, wants the reprobate or the wicked to be saved, and then on the other hand, he decrees that they're going to be destroyed everlastingly. That that contradicts one another. And the answer to that is, well, there are just some things in the Bible that are a paradox. We just cannot understand them. But the Bible speaks of both, so we have to say both as well. Well, that addition of a third will, the will of God's desire to save everyone, in God is is wrong. It's wrong. There simply is no will of that sort spoken of in Scripture, though uh, a few weak attempts are made to show it from Scripture and a few different passages of Scripture. The truth is, God will never contradict himself. The will of God within him doesn't contradict his own being. God doesn't do that. God's not a liar. God does not want, in the one hand, say to that wicked, reprobate man out there, I want to save you. I desire your salvation. And then, on the other hand, he's going to send them to hell, and he's decreed that. That would make God a liar, you understand. God always and only wills the destruction of the reprobate wicked. Hard truth? Maybe, but it's true. And this is the sovereign and unchangeable will of God in his decree. On the other hand, God does will, God does desire the salvation and the repentance of the elect who are yet lost in their darkness and unbelief. He desires, he wills, that that elect wicked will turn from his way. And when that desire of God is expressed, and that through the preaching of the gospel as well, then God, by His Spirit, irresistibly draws that elect sinner unto Himself. So, God's will, then, must be distinguished in exactly the same way that Moses distinguished it in in, in Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret or hidden will of God's decrees and the will of God revealed in his commandments. Now, that still needs a little bit of explanation. God's will of his decrees is called his secret or his hidden will because it is not given to you and to me to know that will of God. We do not know who is an elect or a reprobate. Now, it's true, of course, that if God's elects people. God, God's elect people in this world reveal to others and to us that they are one of God's elect by their faith, because they live by that faith. But sometimes we are very quick to say, well, that person's going to hell, when really we don't always know if God himself might bring such an one to faith and repentance. Surely that would have been said about that thief on the cross. We may not make that judgment that belongs to God's hidden will of his decree. Such a will of God exists because the Bible speaks of it, of course, but it is hidden from us. There are other aspects of God's counsel that are hidden from us, too. Jesus tells us, for example, the day and the hour no man knows when the Son of Man is going to return at the end of time. We don't know that. It's not given to you and to me to know that. Or again, we do not know the course that our own lives are going to take in this world, or the lives of our loved ones. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, even though we know that God is directing all of these things according to His sovereign will and good pleasure. We do not know, beloved saints, the the, the sudden twists that can take place in our lives. Many of us have experienced that In reality too. We do not know what will happen at any any given time in in the creation around us. We do not know exactly what is going to happen in in the history of this present world, even though we know to what end it is going. All these events are, are guided by God's decree, his hidden will, his sovereign will, but they are hidden to us. And we simply do not know what God's intent is in these things until it happens. God's ways are in the sea. The psalmist says in Psalm 77, and his footsteps are not known to us. We know that. But, on the other hand, there is also God's revealed will to you and me. This is called God's revealed will because God makes it known to us. And it is His will or His desire for us, for you and me. God makes known to you and me what He wants us to do in order that we might serve Him in the way of holiness. This will for us is given to you and to me objectively right here on the pages of Scripture. Here's the will of God for you and for me. And in particular, of course, that will of God is revealed to us in the commandments, which you've just considered in the weeks that have gone by in God's commandments. The word of God is filled with those commandments, isn't it? not just listed for us in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5. The Word of God is filled with those commandments, filled with admonitions, filled with exhortations that God gives to you and to me. And God gives these to you and to me exactly because He wills, He wants, He desires that you and I should walk in His ways in this world. This is what pleases me, God says. Here are, or here is, my word. Here here are my commandments. Walk in them. Both the commandments and the principles set forth in God's word in general must therefore be the guide, the rule of our lives in this world. And there may never be an excuse used by you and me, well, I, I didn't know. God says, yes, you do know. I have given you my word and my commandments and I have told you to walk in love and obedience to me. Really it's not put any better than the way that Solomon puts it in in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. But There's one other truth that we must bow before, too, <clears throat> if we are going to be able to pray this petition properly. God's will is always, beloved saints, always and ever, Good. The catechism points that out when it says that God's will is the only good. God's will is always for you and me something that we venerate as being the highest good for us. And we must recognize that too. We must recognize. We must recognize that that's true, first of all, of God's counsel, the counsel of His will, His decree, and that's true of His word and His commandments for us, too. God's will is good. And that word good does not simply mean that God's will is perfect and upright and pure and holy. It is that, too. We know that because God is pure and holy. But that that word means that it is good for us. It's good for us. It's not sometimes like that candy, children, that we want to have. Because we think it's good. And then mom tells us, no, 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 no. You you've had a piece of candy. That's enough. You're not going to have too much candy because it's not good for you. Well, why isn't it good for you? Well, it'll rot your teeth. It'll make you fat. It'll make you hyper because there's too much sugar in it. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. Well, sometimes what we might think is good for us is not really good. But God knows what's good for us. Always. He knows, even when He leads us through hard times, God knows what is good for us, spiritually healthy for us, and that's why. That's why when that goodwill of God is described for us, we also must say concerning that goodwill, it's a wise will. God is leading us directly, the, directly the way that He wants us to walk, because. It's for our good, it's for our spiritual health, (laughs) even when he leads us through some of the roughest times in our lives. His will is wise, and his will is good. And not only is that true of God's sovereign decree, the hidden will of God for our lives, but that's true of his commandments too, isn't it? God doesn't give us these commandments because He's trying to restrict our lives and make our lives really, really hard. If only we didn't have to live by those commandments. God knows what's good for us. And He knows that when you walk, you and I walk in the way of His commandments and of His Word, that will give us joy in life and peace and contentment and happiness. And we know that so well. Because when we disobey those commandments of God, we're miserable. First part of the catechism. Sit in misery, go hand in hand. So God's commandments are good, and that's why the psalmist could say, too, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver, or sweeter than honey. God directs all things together for the good of God's people. One more question as regards this will of God. How do we determine what that will of God is for us? How do we determine that we're walking in the way of God's will for us? Some people use as an excuse that what they do, they are doing because, well, God spoke to me and revealed to me his will. I prayed, and the Spirit now is leading me in this particular direction, even if that direction is against God's objective commandments, the right? I, I believe that God's Spirit spoke to me because, well, hey, this This is the way my prayer was directed. Lord, you know, what what do I do in this situation? And invariably, a person of that sort does what he wants to do. But God guided me to do that, so they say. Very pious-sounding reasoning, like that popular Pentecostal radio preacher some years ago now said to his listeners, God appeared to me in a vision." And he revealed to me that I'm going to die unless you, my listeners, can collect millions of dollars to help support my cause. The man raised millions of dollars because of that. You talk about a sinful, sinful subjectivism that that man was raising at that particular point. God revealed to me his will. No, people of God, here's the will of God for you and me. God's objective word tells us concerning His hidden will, the will of His decree, and it teaches you and me what God's will is for you and me in our lives, how we are to walk, so we may never use as an excuse that the Spirit is leading me in some direction other than what the Spirit tells the church is in the Scriptures itself. God's will is ours for knowing. So, a person's own subjective feelings or desires may not be given the status of God's will. God's will always is objectively revealed to us. Okay. With that being established, of course, we can well understand what we have to pray for in this particular petition. First, we pray for this. Grant, Heidelberg Catechism, Grant that we may renounce our own will and without murmuring obey thy will which is only good. Why do we ask that we must renounce our own will? Why? Because we know our own will. We know what our own wants and desires oftentimes can be. We know ourselves well. That applies to God's will of His commands, first of all. We know that if we were left to our own devices, We would not so quickly bow to the will of God, but to our own will, a will that would very quickly lead you and me away from God. And it's true, it's true that we have within us that that new man of Christ. No doubt about that. We are redeemed, you and I, from the slavery or the bondage of sin. And we have been set free, Jesus tells us, to do the will of our God. Christ has performed a powerful work in your heart and in my heart. It's the marvelous work of sanctification. He performed that work for you and me on the cross. And by means of that work, he has cleansed us from within, of that sinful condition that at one time held us enslaved. He crucified, Paul says in Romans 6, our sinful flesh on the cross, and he overcame the power and the dominion of sin in our hearts. We believe that. It's out of that renewed will, therefore, that you and I to use the words of Paul in Romans 6, would do the good, will to do the good. We desire it. We desire to follow after God's will in our lives. That's that's why we make the petition that we do in this, this prayer. When the Spirit of our risen Lord is sent forth to dwell within you and me, applying that work of Christ on the cross to us, You and I are led by that Spirit, and that Spirit leads us to make this particular prayer before our God. And we make this particular prayer because we want to do God's will out of a redeemed heart. But the good that we would, the good that we want to do, that we will to do, We so often do not. Though the Spirit of Christ dwells in us and directs our will into a true desire to follow after the will of God, there is still sin present in me. The Apostle Paul says, and we know that well too, there's still sin present in us. We still have in us, don't we, that sinful flesh. We're new creatures in Christ, but we're still sinners. We're still sinners. We have a redeemed heart. That heart can so often be influenced by our flesh. And that old man is a horribly wicked old man. And when we follow after the dictates now of our own flesh, we're prone to walk, well, in the way that we want to walk, what's right in our own eyes and we resist what God's commandment is in his word to you and me. What's the calling that the child of God has? What what do we desire in this particular petition that we raise before God? You know, Jesus teaches us Concerning our will, in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, he has a desire to come after me, then let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall, or and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If we will to follow after Christ, if that truly now is our desire, and and it is, by God's grace, by the work of the Spirit in us. Well then we must be willing to say no to that sinful flesh. We may not simply give in to every desire, every want that we have in our lives. That's why we fervently raise this particular request before God too. Father, lead me in such a way that I'm willing and ready to renounce what I want, to renounce my will in order to follow after thy will for me. Because I know that's what it is to be a true disciple of my Lord Jesus Christ. Teach me to deny myself, to take up my cross, and to follow my Savior we need that petition. <clears throat> Each day we're faced with the temptations of this world around us, and we're so apt so apt to follow after the reasoning, the thinking, or maybe it's better to say, the feelings that the world is always pressing upon us and is always pressing upon us, not just out there out there in the world, that there too. But when we pull that cell phone out of our pocket and we start looking at that thing. World is there. And it's pressing its way of thinking on the Church of Jesus Christ. My will oftentimes, therefore, is influenced by the wicked world. Its godless lifestyle. Its worldly pleasures and its worldly mindedness that that, that creeps into the church of Jesus Christ. There are countless activities or pursuits that you and I can follow in our lives that, that take us out of the home as parents. We don't read the Bible as husbands and wives. We don't read and pray every day with our children because we're so busy in our lives. There's this driving pursuit in our present world, and it creeps into the church after money and after all kinds of pleasure. And our flesh is attracted to those things. Mine is. Ours is attracted to those kinds of things. In fact, (laughs) that's reflected in the prayers of so many people today too, isn't it? That's what they pray for all the time, reflected in their prayers. Now, fervently, therefore, we ask God that we might be able to renounce these things of this world and follow after the good commandments and instruction of God's word. No to my own desires. Yes to the will of God for me that he gives me in his word. In the second place, we pray this particular petition because we do not always humbly and cheerfully bow before God's hidden will for us either. We make our plans, don't we? We follow after our desires, but but then God suddenly brings something in life that prohibits you and me from carrying out our will and our desires. And everything seems to spin out of control for us. How how did that happen? And then we can become rather discontent, unhappy, sometimes even angry, and chafe and murmur at the will of God for us. And that that becomes so true of us with, with the little things that take place in life. James tells us that we don't have this before our minds at all times. If the Lord wills, I'll go here or there or do this or that. But that can become so much worse when God sends really hard difficulties and trials in this life sickness, troubles in the family, or in the church. sometimes God's sovereign and good will can cause such pain and heartache that we can hardly put one step in front of the other hardly go on it seems in life and then it's in our nature isn't it to question that good will of God and his wisdom. Even perhaps become angry with God. Has God forgotten to be kind? Is his mercy clean gone from me? Why would he do that? When he lays one of us low with sickness, or an infirmity that doesn't go away, that we have to bear from day to day to day. It's pretty easy for us to think that God's will is not very good. So we pray fervently and consistently. Grant that we might renounce our own wills and submit our will to God's will. Thy will be done, O God. Because although at this particular point in my life, <clears throat> I don't understand it. And I'm certainly feeling the pain and the sorrow of it in my life. I believe. I believe that thy good is that thy will is always good and it's always wise I believe that and I believe that there will be nothing that befalls me in this life that will separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord nothing will I'm thine I'm held within thy almighty hand and even though thy will might be hard Lord teach me to submit my will unto thy will So that's what we ask for in our prayers. And with this comes the petition that God will grant us to. Catechism says to perform our station and calling in life faithfully. Our station, well, our station in life, is our or are those those things that God has called us to do. They're our duties, for example, it might be my station in life to be an elder deacon in the church. That's my calling, right? On the other hand, of course, there's that uh, that calling that we have uh, to walk in the labors that we perform, that we have chosen in our lives. In both of these, we ask God that we might perform those labors and that duties, those stations in life, the, the glory of his name and with contentment God doesn't expect great things of you and me, you know. We don't have to go out and do great things for Christ. God expects you and me to live our lives in the places that he has put us, in our station, and in our calling in life. Lord, teach me, teach me contentment. Give me contentment and peace in the life that I'm leading right now. Teach me to do thy will. So that in the last place, we ask God for contentment. Not just contentment. Cheerfulness. Notice that's what's added here. And also... So that every one of us may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. Give us, or I'm sorry, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, of course, we find that we're being compared to the angels, aren't we? And the will of God that they perform cheerfully, readily in heaven. That's where the psalmist speaks to us also in Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. The contentedness there of the the psalmist, the cheerfulness. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. As that spirit dwells within me, he, 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 he leads me in a good way. And that makes me not only content in life, but cheerful in life. Angels cheerfully carry out the will of God. You know that kind of cheerfulness people of God have seen in our very countenance. We, we can see that in a person. Whether that person's actually happy, content in life, cheerful in life, it, it reveals itself, right? The words that we say and the, the way that we conduct ourselves in our lives. Some people, it seems like they, they can't be happy in life. And a professor, well he was my minister at that time, I was a young person, who said that if there's anybody that truly can be happy in life, it's, it's, it's a redeemed child of God. We, we can be happy. We're saved in the blood of Jesus Christ, but so often can be found in a person's life where they're just plain not happy, in their discontent in life, And, and it reveals itself in their demeanor. Wrinkled brow, scowl always on their face, hardly ever a smile. But when we are content in the will of God for us, that will show in our countenance too will reveal itself in a cheerful disposition in what we're doing in life and it will reveal itself in the way of peace in our hearts because we're following after the will of God for us it will show in our attitude toward others especially in our attitude toward God himself and for that reason we sincerely ask of God too in our prayers that he will give us satisfaction in that calling in which he has placed us in this world and leads us, whether that be cheerfulness in keeping his, ca- his commandments or whether that be contentment in the troubles that he may send us in this life. God's will be done by me, by you. Lord, teach us always. Be ready and willing to walk in the way of thy will for us. Amen. Father in heaven, we are thankful unto thee that thou hast given us thy word. And we ask that thou wilt indeed teach us, Father, to pray from the heart. Thy will be done on earth just as it's done by the angels in heaven. Give unto us joy, contentment in the way that Thou dost lead us. And, Father, where we fail, even in this regard, we confess. And we're thankful unto Thee for the forgiveness of our sins, too, in the blood of Christ, when we find joy in that, too. Thou continue, therefore, to watch over us, and guide us according to thy will and thy commandments. And wilt thou continue also to be with us in this day to bring us back again at the appointed time tonight? We pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen.